you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And I appreciate Ramona Dickens reading our scripture with us during worship this morning. And while you're finding that psalm in your Bibles, I want to thank you for those of you that committed and uh, prayed all throughout the week this week for our kids and our sponsors that were at children's camp. Uh, they had an absolutely amazing time, and I appreciate your prayers and support for our children. Went out there one night and was just so blown away uh, to be there uh, in a sanctuary that was filled with kids. And they just had awesome worship. Uh, they had a band there that led them in worship, and just to hear those kids singing praises to their Creator, uh, and then very inspirational uh, messages by the speakers there, and I look forward to hearing more about what God did in the hearts and lives of our kids that were at camp this week, but I just want to thank you for your continued support of our children's and teen ministries and those of you that are praying faithfully for them. Uh, this week, our Hands and Feet uh, in the Heat project is... Uh, not going to be in the heat, amen? It's going to be in the air condition uh, of uh, the building here. We're having what we call Christmas in July, where we will be this Wednesday night at 6.30. Uh, we'll be doing a project uh, in correlation with Operation Christmas Child as we prepare uh, for Christmas already and prepare to be the host church in our community for Operation Christmas Child. I appreciate those uh, in our church that have taken leadership roles in this and planning and are preparing already. And, and so we invite you, we would love for you to be here Wednesday night at 630 as uh, we uh, begin the process and preparation for Operation Christmas Child uh, this year. Well, we're continuing our summer sermon series that we're calling Sunshine and Psalms. And what we're doing is we're spending the rest of the summer uh, up through up until September looking at some of the Psalms from the Old Testament, some of my favorites, some that I enjoy reading and going back to time and time again. And again, uh, today we're here in Psalm 100. And I, I don't know about your Bibles, but my Bible uh, has subtitles above some of the Psalms and passages of Scripture. And the, the subtitle above this particular psalm in my Bible says, A Psalm for Giving Grateful Thanks. And that's the theme of what the songwriter, the psalm writer, uh, shares with us here again. And I, I just want to read it for you again this morning. He writes, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with what? Gladness, come before Him with what? Joyful songs. Know that who is God? The Lord is God. It is He who made us. We're not self-made. It is He who made us. And we are whose? We're His. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. So enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. And praise His name, for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all 
generations. Now, this psalm that we're looking at today is probably familiar uh, to probably most everyone that's here today. Matter of fact, it's probably one of the most used passages of Scripture uh, by most ministers around Thanksgiving. Uh, but as I read this psalm again this week and began to focus in on what it was saying to us, I, I believe that the Lord, I believe that the writer wants to remind us that we should never be guilty of not being thankful. Well, we should never be guilty of not being thankful every single day, and, and not just at Thanksgiving, but every day of our life. I would ask you this morning, do you know what God's will is for your life? Do you know that it's God's will for your life that you be a thankful and gracious person? I have people, I hear people ask the question all the time and, and say, you know, I just wish I knew what God's will was for my life. I wish I knew what His will is for me in this situation. I, I wish I knew what God's will is for me in this sickness or this illness or this challenge or whatever it may be. Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Being thankful being grateful, being a gracious person is God's will for your life. But for whatever reason, it seems that the world that we're living in, the culture that we're living in today, people have become more and more ungrateful. Kids are, are, are ungrateful to their parents. People are ungrateful to one another. And worst of all, people are ungrateful to God, their Creator, and their Savior. And, and I don't know about you, but it convicts me that I can get so preoccupied with my schedule, and, and my schedule is often filled with things that I'm doing uh, for the church or, or, or serving the Lord or serving somebody else. But, I, you know, I get convicted that I get so preoccupied with what I feel like I got to do uh, or maybe so preoccupied with, with me that, you know, sometimes like Asaph we saw last week in Psalm 73, where we just spend a little time having our own personal pity party, right? And, and when, uh, you know, uh, I, I spend time in prayer, I, I, I notice sometimes that, that most of the time that I spend in prayer is time spent trying to convince God to do what I want Him to do. Trying to, trying to persuade God, trying to get God to answer my prayers and, and, and meet my request. And, and, and you know what? I, I want to serve God. I, I, I want to be busy at His work. But I want to do that. And I don't know about you, but this is what's kind of convicting me. I want to do those things out of a sense of gratitude rather than a sense of obligation. That I have to, instead of something that I have to do, it's something that I get to do because of all that He's done for me. And His goodness and His blessings that He's poured out on me and, and my family. And, and you know, as I, I think about 
what, what God has called me to and what God has called us to as a church. Uh, the, the thought that this awesome God would even want me to do something for Him still amazes me. It, it still baffles me that God would want me to represent Him and serve Him and be His hands and be His feet. I'm amazed by that because I know me. I know who I've been. I know what I've done. And today I'm thankful for passages of Scripture like this one which not only challenge us and call us to be thankful, but it also reminds us and it gives us the reasons why we should be thankful. And why we should be grateful people. And why those around us ought to see us and, and view us and, and look at us and go, Man, what a, what a, what a grateful person. What a thankful uh, person. And, and the first thing that I think we see here that really jumps out to me in verses 1 and 2 is, is that we have an invitation into His presence. Right? It says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Are, are you on the earth? And so we're all invited, right? We're all invited to be in His presence. All of the earth is invited to come before Him with what? Praise. We've all been invited to come before Him with our praise. Think about it. We have an invitation. You and I have re received an invitation from the Most High God, the Creator of everything. An invitation from our Savior. An invitation from the King of Kings. Right? The most powerful, the most famous person in the history of not just the earth, but in the history of the universe. Has invited us to come into His presence. Has invited us to come and spend time with Him. And every single person that He has created has received this invitation. And the psalmist says here to enter his presence with shouts of joy. Now, I don't know, and I'm not real educated, and I don't have a doctorate in theology, but this to me tells me that our praise should be audible. Hello? Our, our praise ought to be audible. Shouts of joy. Very audible. Our, our praise should not be something hidden, uh, uh, but something that is boldly proclaimed to others and in front of others. Friends, let me tell you something. When God stirs our soul, it can't help but find its way to our lips. Huh? And then it says that we are to praise Him and worship Him with gladness. Say gladness. gladness. Tell your face. <laughs> with gladness. I, wa I watch people walk into church. I, I, I watch people during, during worship. I, you can see through those cracks up there. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but I, I, I watch y'all. I ain't even going. I ain't going to say say it. Just look in the mirror. With gladness, 
which says to me that our service to God and our, our praise to God and our worship to God shouldn't be something that is a burden to us. It, it, shouldn't, it should never become a burden or something that we feel like we got to do out, out of obligation. I, I, I got to go to church today. I, you know, I, I, I got to just you know, check that box because it's what I got to do. It's what I'm supposed to do. I'll just go to church. Aren't you glad you came today? Huh? Man. Galatians 6 9 says that we're not to become weary in doing good. I, I just don't believe you'll get weary when you're doing good. Our, our lives should be filled with gladness, and we should not see our service to God, uh, this invitation to be His hands and His feet on this earth, we, we shouldn't see uh, th that and our praise to God as a chore, as an obligation. Serving Him and worshiping Him is a privilege to those who have received His amazing grace. It, it, it's, it's a privilege given to those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to be like Paul when he wrote in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who number one has given me strength, that he would consider me faithful. That he even considered me to be faithful and appoint me to his service. Anybody, can anybody here relate to Paul? I, I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. I don't know why he would consider me to be faithful. I know me. Why would he consider me to be faithful? And why would he appoint me to be his hands and his feet here on this earth and to do his work? I don't know about you, but I thank the Lord for that strength today. I thank the Lord for this strength. I thank the Lord for that appointment. Amen? And then the psalmist instructs us to come before him again with joyful singing. <laughs> joyful singing. In Psalm 40, David writes, and don't miss this, he writes that with salvation, with the salvation that you receive, David says, with that salvation that you have received comes a new song of praise to God. Every child of God has a song of salvation in their soul. And it glorifies God when we sing that salvation song from our lips. I, I was watching Wheel of Fortune this week. I love Wheel of Fortune. I don't know why. I never get any of the puzzles right. But, um, man, they gave away a bunch of money this past week. I don't know if y'all were watching it. But they had this one lady that was on there uh, this week that kind of caught my attention. She wasn't a big winner. But uh, when they do the introductions and they talk a little bit about themselves and what they do and, you know, about their family and all that, the, the, this one particular lady, she summed up her introduction by saying, and I love to sing every day. And I thought to myself, she said nothing about being a Christian, but I almost know that she knows Christ as her Lord and Savior. She's got a song on her heart, and she loved to sing it every day. And I thought, may that be said about me. 
Maybe that would be a great introduction for every single one of us based off what the Bible tells us here. That we have a salvation song in our heart and it can't help but finding its way to our lips. Every child of God has a salvation song in their soul and it glorifies Him when we sing it. So we're invited into His presence to present our praise. We're invited into His presence to present our worship. And our singing. And the next thing that stands out to me here is we're reminded of who God is and who we are. Verse 3 says, know that the Lord is God. I'm not. You're not. Know that He is God. He's the Creator. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Savior of your soul if you've accepted His blood that was shed on Calvary. He is the Lord God. And it is He who made us. You're not making yourself into anything. It is He who made you. And we are his. Underline that in your Bible. If you have your Bible open, if you're an underliner, we are His. That's who I am. I'm His. That's who you are. You're His. We are His people. We are His sheep of His pasture. I hope we never get to the point where we fail to be amazed by who God is. Because everything that we do, everything that we are, all of that hinges on, think about it, who God is to us. Who you are hinges on who God is to you. What you do hinges on who God is to you. That's why it's so important that we never forget who He is and who we are. So who are we? We are His people. We are His children. Friend, you are a child of the living God. Don't you ever forget that. You're His child. And He loves you. It's a reminder here that He is our Creator. He's the one that made you. He's the one that put the breath in your body. He's the one that will cause your heart to beat the next beat and keep you alive. He's your Creator. Should we even need to be reminded that the only reason we're even in this world is because He loved us and chose to create us? It's the only reason you're here. That's the only reason that you walk and you talk and you have breath in your body today is because He chose to create you and that you would be here. And He gives you every breath that you're going to breathe. He's worthy of our praise. And as awesome as that is, not only is He our Creator, but friends, when you accept Him as your Lord and Savior, He's your (laughs) Recreator. When we were dying in our sins, when we were doomed to an eternal penalty in hell, if we accepted Him as our Lord and Savior, He then recreates us into His image. He transforms us. He molds us. He makes us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Amen? Are you thankful for that? The old has gone and the new has come. I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm thankful the old has gone. Right, Larry? I'm, I'm glad the old is gone. Because the new has come. That's what he does. He recreates us into his image. And just the fact that he created us and would want to recreate us, friends, is reason enough to want to praise him forever. But when you add to the fact that he took this battered, sin-beaten, old hell-bound sinner, and He saved me by His grace, and He transformed me into someone that is worthy of an eternal heaven. Friends, I understand why David says we ought to be shouting His praises. We ought to be singing with joy, singing His praises. The psalmist says that we are His people. That means, friends, that we are His personal possession. His personal possession. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says, He who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify, don't miss this, for Himself a people that are His very own. Why did He want to save you? For Himself, so that we would be His. That's why he chose to do what he did. He redeemed us. And that word literally means to buy us, to purchase us. And it has the reference in the original, original language of purchasing a slave right off the auction block. That, that's what this means, to be redeemed. It is this idea of being a slave and purchased from an auction block. That's what Christ did for us when He died on the cross. He paid the full price so that we might go free from our slavery. So that we might go free from the penalty of sin. And the fact that we are now His. His personal possession because He bought and He paid for us. And he paid a price that no one else was willing to pay. He paid a price that no one else could possibly pay. Friends, that's reason. That's plenty enough reason to shout and sing our praises to him. Thank God we are his people. Amen? That means that we are all someone special. <laughs> Don't you ever get in your head that you aren't somebody important. Don't you ever get in your head that you aren't special. Because you are. I, I tell you, I used to people with a, a lot of education intimidated me. Uh, they made me uncomfortable. Because I didn't know what they knew. I didn't have all those plaques hanging on my wall. Instead, I had fish and deer hanging on my wall. And they've got all these pieces of paper that cost them tens of thousands of dollars. Just never made sense to me. But anyway, those people intimidated me for whatever reason. People in positions of power. I felt small in their presence. I felt uncomfortable in their presence. But you know when that stopped? That stopped when I realized what the psalmist is saying here. I am a child of the king. I walk tall and I walk proud. 
It's not. You know what? There's nothing more important to me than that in my life. To know that I am His and He is mine. I'm His child. He adopted me into the royal family. I have no reason to hang my head. I have no reason to be intimidated. I have no reason to feel uncomfortable because He's my daddy. (laughs) No amount of money. No education. None of those things make me more important than the fact that the king has adopted me. Never let anyone tell you that you're not special, that you're not important. You're a child of the king. Then we see another reference here that tells us we're the sheep of his pasture. We're under his protective custody. The custody of the good shepherd. And again, we can say like David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is God, and He is my shepherd. And when we fully understand who we are, and we fully understand who He is, how can we not praise Him? And then the psalmist tells us here how to express our praises, verses 4 and 5. It says we're to enter into his presence with this invitation that we've received. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues, never stops, through all generations. These verses give us three great ways to express our praises to God. First, it tells us to enter his gates and his courts with praise. Which tells us that this was not something that was intended to be done in a closet. This was not something that was intended to be done behind closed doors where no one else could see it or no one else could hear it. This tells me that there shouldn't be any shame or any embarrassment in our praise to our Savior. There shouldn't be any shame or any embarrassment in worshiping our Lord and our God as our Savior. Jesus didn't die on the cross in a private place for you. He didn't do it in secret. He did it very publicly for all the world to see what He was doing for us. And He expects no different from us. That the world would see in us publicly what He has done for us. And what He's doing in us and through us. He did it publicly. So why should we be ashamed? Why should we be embarrassed to worship Him publicly? We see references all throughout the Psalms of how they worshipped back in that day and how the Hebrews of that day would worship. In Psalm 47 and verse 1, it says this, Heaven forbid, clap your hands, all ye nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. 
This is how they worshiped. This is how we've been called to worship. I was raised in a great church, but we were not allowed to clap. I, and I never could figure that because there were times when you literally would have to restrain yourself from clapping. And I'm like, I don't get it. And, and, and our, you know, our minister at the time, and he was a great man. I love the guy whatsoever. But he was just like, we should not clap, you know, for the praises of people. And I'm like, we, we ought to clap. We just, I just always felt like we ought to clap. It's biblical. Clap your hands, all ye nations. Well, you want to see some worship. Get, get online and, and do some searches on our Nazarene churches over there in, in Africa and Kenya and some of those countries over there. Let me tell you something. Those people know how to worship. They worship like the people of the Bible worshiped. Like we were called to worship. Like we're supposed to worship, I believe. Psalm 63, 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. We even see David get so caught up in his praises of a good and mighty God and what God had done for him that he danced before the Lord. Now don't get me wrong. People going to think you're weird. And I need to say this. Worship is not about putting on a show. It's not about the show. It's not about a show. But it is about giving God the glory and the worship that He deserves. And, and there's nothing wrong with a genuine, visible expression of praise and glory to God. Some of you may remember this guy. He used to pastor on our district. I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Biddle. And Biddle would get happy. And you could see it building. If you were close to Biddle, you could watch this. Because I got to where I would. And you could just see it. And he would just begin, you'd see it working in his body, and it would just come through him. And then just a little bit, it hit his lips, and then it hit his feet. And he would take off running uh, around the, the sanctuary. I don't know if y'all remember that guy or not. Y'all probably seen this happen before. I remember one time we were at Branson. We were having a, a, a pastor's uh, retreat up there at Branson. And they all took us to the show. And it was the original one that was up there for years that was so good. And when the angel came down, Biddle got to shouting. And, and before it was over, Biddle, he's circling that whole auditorium there at Branson. Remember a man in our church and uh, uh, Stan and Charlotte Stewart were here in early service and we were talking about it after service. His name was Mr. Brother Madewell. I, I, I don't know anything other than that. His name was Madewell and you'd ask him how he was doing. He said, I'm doing great. I'm Madewell. But we'd start to sing Amazing Grace or we'd start to sing Victory in Jesus and you would just see it come over him and he couldn't help it. And it would go all the way through his body. And then he'd come. And, and when I would bring friends with me from school or whatever to church. And if, if daddy said turn to Amazing Grace. My daddy was a song leader. Or he said turn to Victory in Jesus. I'd tell him watch out. He's fixing to shout. And it will scare you to death. Friends God has done so much for us. And we don't have any problem whatsoever cheering on our favorite ball team. 
But friends, God has done so much more for you than any ball team will ever do. He deserves as much. No, my friends, He deserves more praise than anything or anyone else on this earth. Is it better to praise His creation or to praise the Creator? When the psalmist uses words like shout and joyful songs... I just don't believe any of that can be done in silence. According to verse 5, God is good. God is good. He always has been. He always will be. He is faithful. And His truth and His love will last forever. Sometimes we think we messed up so bad that He can't love us anymore. Sometimes we think God has surely given up on me. Friends, the psalmist reminds us here today, and the Bible reminds us over and over and over again. He never stops loving. His love endures forever. And when these things are considered, then we are to make a rational decision to praise Him because of the reality of who He is and who we are. I'm sure some of you have probably seen TV preachers work up a crowd into a frenzy. You may have been in a service before where you experienced that and, and uh, people get so stirred up that they would shout on command. But friends, we need to understand that it's not a show. Because here's the deal. If we're bringing attention to ourselves, we're taking the attention away from God. But He's worthy. Of our praise. Real praise looks at God, recognizes His greatness, remembers His blessings, then responds with the true adoration of who He is. Real praise looks to Him, recognizes His greatness, who He is, what He's done, remembers His blessings, and then responds. You see, everything about being a follower of Christ is about our response. Our response. When we know Him, will respond with the adoration that he so rightfully deserves. Psalmist is basically reminding us to praise the Lord because of who he is to you. Is your worship, is your praise, is your thankfulness, is your gratitude in your life, is that a reflection of who he is to you and what he has done for you? You know, I hadn't talked about this in a few weeks. I kind of gave you a break. I told you we're going to talk about it a lot in the weeks, months, and maybe even years ahead. And I've challenged you to ask yourself, who's your one? Who's the one that you are focused on loving them into the kingdom? That they would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Just one. Who are you focused on? Who is your target? We all should have one that we're working on, praying for, 
that we want to see them come to know Christ. Friends, do they see in and through you when you're around them who the Lord is to you and what the Lord has done for you? Do they see that? Do they know that? Because that might just be the hinge pin in getting them to see him too for who he is and what he's done for them. Praise him. Praise him because he is God. Praise him because you love him. But most importantly, praise him because he loves you. <laughs> I read recently about an older man who stood up and began to talk about what worship meant to him. And he said, Oh Lord, we will praise you with an instrument of ten strings. And the people there in the sanctuary were wondering what he meant, but he continued on to elaborate. And he said, we will praise you with our two eyes by looking only at you. We will exalt you with our two ears by listening only to your voice. We will exalt you with our two hands by working and serving you. We will honor you with our own two feet by walking your path, walking your way. We will magnify you with our tongue by giving testimony of your loving kindness. We will worship you with our heart by loving only you. We thank you for this instrument. Lord, keep it in tune. Play it as you will and ring out the melodies of your grace in and through me. May its harmonies always express your glory. Before every service, our musicians, uh, they tune their instruments. And sometimes you may even notice they'll, they'll mute. They've got these fancy little switches and gizmos to where you can't hear what they're doing. But they, they'll continue to tune uh, their instrument. Why do they do that? Well, they want to be in tune with all the other instruments on the stage so that when they play together, it makes a beautiful sound. And as I thought about that, I thought, am I so in tune with God that my worship and my praise are a beautiful sound to Him? Am I so in tune with Him that it makes a beautiful melody to those that I'm around? Is your praise and your worship in tune with Him? I believe that we've been reminded today that we have plenty of reasons to praise Him. We have plenty of reasons to be thankful. Not just once a year. But every single day, every single hour, our lives should be lived with praise and thanksgiving. So, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. 
It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Friends, God owes us nothing. We owe Him everything. And your thanksgiving and your praise, it won't change God, but it'll change you. Let's pray. God, this morning I, I come to you first and foremost asking you to forgive me for not being a more thankful person. Forgive me for not representing you the way that I ought to represent you in all ways and all things. Thank you for awesome passages of scripture in your word like this one that we're looking at today that not only calls us to worship but explains it to us in great detail I thank you for bringing us to this place today for this message for who you are and who I am because of you who we are as a church because of you. So God as we go out from this place. May our thankful hearts. And I know these are some thankful people. They're gracious people. They're humble people. I know their hearts. But God I pray that what's in our hearts. Would find its way to our lips. So that others would know. So that others would hear of your goodness and your grace and your blessings. Because God, I, I know that when people see you and hear about you and hear the good news of you, I know that it changes lives. Because I was one that was changed. So help us to be faithful. Help us to be available. Help us to be obedient. Thank you for inviting us into your presence. Thank you for adopting us into your family. May we go out from here and make our Father proud of his kids. It's in your Son's powerful and precious name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful week.